Welcome to the How Fitting Podcast, where you'll hear from independent fashion designers and entrepreneurs about how they grow their business, making clothes that fit their customer and values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today, I'm joined by Sheree Averhart of Mora Ray. So welcome to the show, Sheree. Hi, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. For those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, so I'm Sheree Averhart. Um, I'm a sustainable fashion designer um, focusing specifically on uh, petite plus size women. Um, I am a petite plus size woman myself. So I've just found that over the years, it's kind of hard to find clothes that um, kind of check all the boxes for me in terms of fit, style, and then of course, sustainability. Um, the world is getting better. There's so many brands out there that are um, more size inclusive, but I find that petite plus women are still kind of like, we're a very special category, but there's also mm-hmm. a lot of us. Um, so I'm just excited to be able to um, just kind of offer something for women like me, um, for others, you know, with bodies like mine, um, so that way they can look good and then also, you know, be able to shop more sustainably as well, um, if they are adding to their wardrobe. Um, And then I guess uh, some personal things, I'm married to my husband. We met through a dating app and we were just one of the lucky ones where it just worked (laughs) out. Um, We have two dogs. We have Luna, who's a Husky mix. Um, So she's got like the eyes and the look of a Husky, but she's like a little bit smaller. And then we have River, who's just like this hilarious, uh, like Dotson mini Aussie mutt mixture that we love. Um, nice. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to, to say about me. That's pretty much the gist. Yeah, yeah. And so many cool things. Um, as you know, like I'm a pattern maker and I totally love when brands really focus on fit for a particular customer, like not try to be everything to everybody, but really look for like, how can we solve like a specific thing or specific wardrobe challenge for this specific group of people? Um, so it's so cool that you focus specifically on plus size petite, because I agree, it's a very underserved <laughs> and very unique um, market. So um so kind of what brought you into fashion or yeah have you have you do you have a formal background in fashion or how did you get into this industry um I've known I wanted to be a fashion designer probably since I was about eight years old uh maybe even before that um my great great grandmother once told me that I guess when she was babysitting me at some point I guess I drew her some pictures of dresses and I think I was younger than the age of eight. Uh, I don't remember it, but um, she did share those with me. And so it was kind of like reminded me that this dream has been with me, I think, um, since I was born, Mm -hmm. Um, even though I may not recall it back to that point. Um, I come from a very creative family. Uh, My mother, she made her own clothes. She made clothes for us. Um, So she would take, you know, like, stock patterns and then just kind of adapt them and and make her own styles that way and I think maybe I just like subconsciously (laughs) through watching her um, you know both as a a baby and then growing up as a small child I just fell in love with that idea that um, 
this this cool idea in your brain can come out into the real world. And I love fashion because it can also serve a purpose. You know, it's functional. It's something that we need. Um, everybody needs to get dressed every day um, in some capacity. Now we all work from home most of the time, so you don't have to get as dressed up. But, you know, there's still there's still moments when you need and maybe want to feel, you know, like, I don't know, you want to feel very jazzy and mm-hmm. fixed up. And I just love that um, fashion can transform people in that way. Um, it's done that for me personally. Um, and I guess so, since I always knew that I wanted to do that, as I grew up and, you know, went through high school, that's when I really started like getting into it. And I would just put together my own outfits. I started like tinkering more and more with um, hand sewing and my mom's sewing machines and then eventually got my own. Um, and then I also started like our first ever school's fashion club with uh, one of my best <laughs> friends in high school. <laughs> Um, it's still going on to this day. So shout out to uh, Earl Warren High School in San Antonio, Texas. Um, the yes. fashion club is still going strong. So I'm very proud of that. And yeah, from there, I just knew like, um, if I'm going to college, I'm going to pursue a true dream of mine and a true passion. Mm-hmm. And I also was always knew that I would have to pay for college myself or through scholarships just because of like my family's um financial background like we didn't grow up with a lot of money we grew up um definitely uh below the poverty line so as I grew up and I worked hard I used school as like my means to get to where I wanted and Mm -hmm. so I just made sure that you know I got the right grades and did everything that I could and those opportunities just kind of kept working out for me so I could get the scholarship I could go to you know, an awesome fashion design program. Um, but it was still within the state, you know, of course, I had high dreams of going to like New York City or, or LA, um, you know, like these fashion mm-hmm. meccas. Um, but it just, you know, wasn't in the cards for me at that time. But I still love my journey. And um, I went to the University of North Texas, which has uh, amazing fashion design program. They're very, um, they're very like, into the traditional like uh, methods of creating clothing so like you're learning true pattern making like you're going to draft it from a paper um, before you even touch like a dress form and start draping anything so they really like kind of teach you like those those core historical methods to bring clothes to life um, which is something that I kind of like I didn't have like that that true um I don't know what's the right word. Um, I didn't know that there were like all of these other steps between like <laughs> having an idea and a sketch and then bringing it to life. Like I was just mm-hmm. what I would try to do things like in high school. I would just grab fabric and wrap it on me until it looked good. And then I'd pin it. And then, you know, I would just try Same. to. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't understand like patterns. I didn't even use a pattern until I got to college and then I was making patterns. So Uh, once that happened like my mind was blown and I was like that's how you get this to work like Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's how I get oh okay that's what that's called like I just learned so much and I just soaked it all up Um, so long story short um, yes I did get some formal training you know through college that's what I got my um, bachelor's degree in so I do have that 
And I've just always known that I wanted to, to be a designer in some capacity. Um, and so it's taken me a long time in, in my personal viewpoint to get to this level where I'm actually doing my own brand. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked in the industry um, in different ways, different businesses, large and small. Um, and I finally just got to a point where I was like, I'm ready to, to do my dream, you know, to do what mm-hmm. I've always known that I wanted to do. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, I can totally relate to the, I remember the first time I, I used a pattern just, you know, from the fabrics, you know, went to the fabric store, got myself, you know, fabric and a pattern, made myself something and it didn't fit that great because I'm an odd size and, you know, the patterns you get at the store aren't always exactly what you want to make either. Um, but I like, I remember that moment. And then I remember I worked at a costume, like a theater costume shop in high school during the summers. And the head costume master like was showing me like slashing and spreading a pattern to like make a pattern. And I, it like blew my mind because I was like, what? You can like figure out mathematically like how to do this. And like, I think that was one of the things um, kind of like you said, where it like opened up a whole new world of this is how I can like create different things. Um, and that that's the side that always stuck with me. So it's obviously the pattern making side as opposed to the design side, but Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's super helpful to have that knowledge of like how garments are constructed and, you know, as well as the design knowledge, because it really, for me anyway, it really opens up new possibilities of how to bring something to reality. Because like having the vision for it is great, but like if you don't understand how that might come to life on, in three dimensions, you know, on a person or like be put together then it's harder to bring that to reality. Yes, 100%. And like going into, you know, my first job after college, like I went to my first job and I moved all the way to Minnesota and I basically was the entire design department for this small like dancewear company. And they they were doing an awesome job, but it was like, then as soon as I got there, they're like, oh, great, we have a professional. And I was like... I just graduated. I don't know if I'm a professional. Um, but, you know, I gave it my best shot. And so, like, I kind of was just thrown in. And I was like, I, I'm, not, I'm not ready to be, like, the head of somebody's design team yet. You know, like, I definitely mm-hmm. still needed more expertise and experience under my belt in order to understand, like, the ins and outs of, um, you know, the pattern making side, the grading side of things. And it's like, we had done chunks of that, but it was all for very small projects throughout college. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but as I, you know, I left that job and got additional jobs, additional jobs and each and every job, um, I got a chance to work with, you know, just such amazing people that showed me, you know, how a fashion business should be run. Um, Some showed me how they should not be run, for sure. But that's also an awesome lesson to learn as well. And so it's like, for me, I, I, I don't take any of that for granted, even though, like I said, I feel like it's taken me forever to get here, but that's because I'm impatient and I've had this dream my whole life. But mm-hmm. I think I was put in those places to learn those lessons when I did. Um, one, so that way I wouldn't maybe make as many mistakes, you know, like on 
on my own dime for my mm-hmm. own brand, not to say that I won't make mistakes because I mean, that's what life is. Um, but it also helped me, like you were saying, like to be a really good designer, I think you have to understand that full circle. Like it's not just about this amazing vision that you have. Like, yes, that's the core, that's the center, but then you also need to understand, um, you need to understand the business side of things. You need to understand the technical side of things. Even mm-hmm. if maybe you're not the one who's going to, you know, do that job per se, like if you're lucky enough to just jump in and you can hire a team of all these people to help you, like that's mm-hmm. awesome. But I think you'll have, you'll be more compassionate and I think you'll be more collaborative and I understanding. Totally yeah. With like the people that you're going to work with because you've been in their shoes or at least you've, you've worked with people in their shoes. So like you understand that all of your roles are just as important and like mm-hmm. the designer isn't the end all be all because the designer is nothing without her pattern maker, without her mm-hmm. sample maker, her seamstress, her cutter, her, you know what I mean? Her fabric sourcer. Um, yeah. Or if you're like me, you're all of those things. So as <laughs> soon as I get to hire anybody, I'm going to be so grateful <laughs> because, mm-hmm. you know, I can share this, this experience with them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like fashion is so it's, it's amazing, but it's also very hard. Like it is, it is a hard industry in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you can go into it with like that mentality versus maybe like the way you might see the mentality represented in like a fashion show or in a fashion movie or like, mm-hmm. I don't know, that stereotypical like fashion diva mentality. It's like, it's yeah, so can, different. Yeah. yeah. Like, sure, you can be a little diva ish, but you need to have compassion and you need to understand that this is a this is a team effort um and it, it won't work without the team I guess mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. But yeah I agree. yeah no I, to- I, I totally agree I totally agree um so I'm curious you mentioned like there were things that you learned from each of your jobs that like helped you run your business better and even things that you learned of like what how not to run a business mm-hmm. um what were some of the things uh, you know, of either in either of those categories that have really stood out to you as um, things that have really helped you in your business so far? Um, I think definitely. So like I always approached fashion after like fashion design and business after I graduated with a little bit more of a sustainable mindset. Um, because when I was at UNT, we, you know, were introduced to sustainability. Um, I'm sure that it's, they probably talk about it even more now, you know, like this mm-hmm. was years ago, <laughs> so long ago. Um, so it was like sustainability in the fashion world wasn't as like big of a topic as it is now. But I just knew like when I graduated, how, how much the fashion industry was contributing to, you know, the issues that we're currently living with and dealing with today. And that mm-hmm. kind of like put a damper on my dream, like my lifelong dream. Cause I was like, man, like, this is something I love so much. How can I, how can I still go after this dream? You know, knowing how wasteful the industry is like, mm-hmm. and so like I kind of went into each, each job with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe this is how you do it. Like, why would you ever do this? Um, but I mean, people don't know what they don't know. And, uh, like I said, back then, like sustainability, like it wasn't as easy, I think, um, especially for smaller businesses, maybe to, 
to make that shift. Um, but so anyways, I definitely learned about like, not just, not just creating things um, without having like a customer base, not knowing that like, not, not just creating things that you don't know people want. Um, mm. So like, that's really key. If you want to have a successful <laughs> business. Yeah. Not just yeah. design for a hobby. Like, like the waste aspect of it, I think was the biggest lesson I learned is like, I, I just, I, like I said, like, I don't want to name like any businesses or companies I worked for, but like from mm-hmm. the smallest to the biggest, like the waste aspect um, is always there. So like, I will say like the company in Minnesota, they showed me because they did a lot of their production um, in-house. So like they mm-hmm. had um, a team of seamstresses and cutters. They did a lot of, um, since it was dancewear, it was like dye sublimation. So they mm-hmm. could kind of like print um, their own patterns and everything like right there, cut it out, sew it together. And so it was like, nice. you're already eliminating a lot of waste by doing it in that, in that kind of formula. Mm-hmm. Um, and they definitely did like, you know, they, they had a good customer base. So it was like, that was like an awesome starting point. Cause I was like, man, like, this is the way to do it. Like if you're going to do it. Um, but of course, you know, they still were learning a lot. And so, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of like a particular, like one instance, but I think the, I think overall it was just like the idea of waste, the idea of you created all of this stuff and, and it could be, it could be just in the sample process. So like, mm-hmm. um, I did an internship with like a really big company in New York city and they would make like all of these samples. Um, but it just felt like, like, why were you creating so many samples that you knew that you weren't going to end up like adopting or developing? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I wasn't there for a long time. So I don't want to say that, you know, maybe they didn't have a strategy in place. But from my perspective, um, it just seemed like it was just making things for the sake of making them um, and just kind of maybe like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks, um, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of what a lot of companies could end up doing if they don't have a good solid understanding of who their customer is. Um, I don't know. I think, I think that's the best way I can describe it without going into like too many particulars. Um, because like yeah, I said, I, mean, I don't want to like call out any company in particular because. Yeah, it's uh, totally fine. <laughs> it's just, it is a small world. Um, it is for sure. Even though it feels like it's not. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a super, um, like very broad but important kind of like lesson or thing that you picked up from each of these jobs was just like the waste of it and yeah I've seen that too it's just like the excessive amount of sampling needed for revisions and I've seen like part of that is yeah you design so much knowing that you're gonna whittle it down to like the best pieces Mm -hmm. um so like you know you're not gonna use all these styles you're gonna get rid of at least half of them And so then you have all these extra samples or some of it too, is I think just not being able, whether the design team or more often like the buying team or merchandisers or who's ever, um, you know, sales team that is kind of giving the buy off on the line. Um, 
isn't as good as the designers at envisioning things. So I've seen mm-hmm. too where sometimes <laughs> they need to they need to actually see the garment and yeah. sometimes like try it on in order to even understand the concept, like a flat sketch or um, you know reference photos is not enough for them to to envision it. Um, and that's one thing where I think like with all the technology and more sustainability conversations happening is like the 3D sampling. Um, that's something yes. I use in my process where that is really helpful for that, where you can see it and go, eh, actually I want to, you know, make this a knee length dress instead of a midi dress. Like the proportions are going to be better or no, we want to whittle this down further. But um, yeah, it's like more education for the team you know, who's ever making the decisions on which styles to adopt to be able to really envision, like, what is this going to look like in this fabric without having to see a sample? And then obviously better, better fitting and better um, standards for that. And then being able to look at things in 3D, I think can all help with that. But I'm curious. So go ahead. Oh, no, I was saying I agree 100%. Yeah. So in, in more array, how have you kind of like taken all that you've learned from these other jobs and, um, yeah, structured your business to maybe fix or, um, get rid of some of the waste created by like a lot of fashion development systems? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, starting out, it's just me. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there's only so many things that I can even like create in a day and, you know, like mm-hmm. based off of my timeline. So it's like that alone will eliminate a lot of just like excess because there's only so much time and so many things that I can do myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I've just kind of learned that I would, I would rather create something that I know is wanted. And so I'm approaching it with, like in the way that I think a lot of, you know, very small, slow fashion, sustainable oriented brands are these days, um, where it is, it's on a pre-order or it's a made to order basis. So, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm not going to make this dress, this item, unless I know that you want it. Um, And some people might, you know, be okay making just um, one at a time. Um, I'm about to launch. And so my method is to try to be upfront with, you know, my customer base and be like, hey, there's only going to be a certain number available. Um, and then after that, um, sales will close and I will work on those um, orders. I will, you know, I'll cut them, I'll sew them, I'll pack them, I'll ship them um, and get them to them within, you know, the time frame. So like right now I'm giving myself like six to eight weeks because this will be my first ever run. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so like, like a pre-sale then? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm taking that pre-sale model. And then I think I'll just continue to tweak it from there. So it's like, if I learn, okay, everybody is really responding to this one style. Maybe I can have this in stock, um, in a very limited stock, um, Mm -hmm. because I know, okay, that this will definitely, definitely sell out, um, versus just like, if Sheree from 10 years ago was trying to start this business, I would be like, I need to order all of the fabric right now. And I need to make sure that I get a hundred of each, you know, style in stock and just ready Mm -hmm. to be sold to whoever wants it. And it's like, well, no, (laughs) why would Mm -hmm. you do that? Like Mm -hmm. that's very wasteful. It's wasteful time. It's wasteful money. 
is wasteful of energy and resources if you don't have your customer base who's there ready to purchase from you. And I think that was the hardest pill for me to swallow um, throughout mm -hmm. this entire journey that's led me to where I am now is that like, not everybody's going to want every idea that pops into my head. <laughs> like, just because I think it's great doesn't mean that it's going to solve the right problem for the customer that I'm trying to reach. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, that's that business side that I really like, um, just learn to lean into a little bit more um, while still keeping my creativity, of course, because I mean, you don't want to create something that is not creative either. Like you want something, I mean, that's what fashion is. Like people want something that's going to make them feel good and look good. Um, mm -hmm. And there's always going to be that element of like trendiness. Um, but I think you can like have like something unique and fun, but it doesn't have to necessarily be like a trend per se, because you want it to live, like you want it to have longevity, um, mm -hmm. which is another approach. So like, I will sketch so many things, um, like, especially just for this launch, I, you don't want to know how many sketches I did. <laughs> and you saw like some other <laughs> sketches that I had sent you like for grading that didn't even make it. Mm -hmm. um, there was way more than that. But, you know, I just was like so excited. I was like, oh my God, there's so many things that I wanted to do for so long. Um, and I had to self-edit to be like, well, but what's the, what, what is really needed? Um, and so in order to help me answer that question, I also started doing like surveys. Um, so yeah, I was going to ask if you involved, it seems like you're very in tune with, and it's important to you, like what your customers want. So yeah, I was going to ask what ways, or if any, have you involved your customers in the process? So yeah, you did surveys. Yes. So I've started, like I did the surveys probably, I don't know, starting two years ago, like multiple surveys. Um, at first I started and I was going to try to do, you know, just be more size inclusive. Um, mm -hmm. And then as I started working through things and just really thinking about like, well, what would my point of difference be? Um, that's when I, I was like, well, like petite plus women are left out of like the fashion industry, like being featured and, and having a space of their own where they, their, their bodies and their fit is just like, um, is, is the main focus of a brand. So I was like, well, let me shift to that. So I started just trying to find other petite plus size women in different forums on Reddit, on Facebook, through family and friends, Instagram, like anywhere I could find people um, and just ask them questions. Like, you know, how do you feel about um, current clothes in your, your wardrobe? But like, what's your biggest like pain point when you're shopping? Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the most common items that you have issues with? So like the most common things, of course, are like maxi dresses or maxi skirts. Mm -hmm. um, of course, like any type of pants or whether it's a denim or not, um, just like the link factor. Um, and then also if you're plus size and you're petite, if you sh try to shop in the petite section, things are typically made for a more stereotypical um, thought as petite woman. So very slim maybe a little bit more narrow whereas mm -hmm. if you're plus size petite you know like you've got more curves so like you yeah. need you need you're more. short but you're not yeah petite yeah. is not not small petite you're short which is technically what petite is but yeah I I agree a lot of 
um, I'm, I'm petite, I'm five, two, um, but very small and things are still like real small on me. Like the armholes are so small. I'm like a petite thing. I'm like, okay, I'm short, but like, I'm still, like, but I'm not, not a I still have shoulders. Yeah. I'm yeah. not 12. So <laughs> like, I'm still a grown woman. <laughs> yes. I'm a grown, I'm a grown woman who is the size of a 12 year old, but not yeah. the shape of a 12 year old. So yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, so I just tried to like in, approach it in that way. So it's like trying to be on a pre-sale made to order basis, try to um, limit and self edit, you know, my designs down and not try to just make everything at once. Um, and I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to have to just like keep pivoting and learning as I go. Um, mm -hmm. Now I'll learn probably more about like the fit, like um, I'm basing it off of my body as a petite plus size woman, like I am um, the average kind of size of a petite plus size woman. And so like, luckily that worked out because I could make the samples and kind of like tweak them based off of me. Mm -hmm. But I'll, I won't know until I get, get out there and I get my designs out into the world on other real women and get their feedback. Um, I did a trial run with a group of wear testers um, with like my very first style, which I actually learned a lot about. Um, so I went ahead and like, I'm going to go back and revamp that now because I got that great feedback from them. And mm -hmm. it wasn't like a massive amount of women, but the handful that did, you know, respond back, they tried it out, they wore it, um, took pictures, did videos, like they were, they were really excited to share with me, um, you know, what they loved about it and what they didn't like about it. Um, That's awesome. and I, yeah. And it was like, it was so great to be able to, like I said, like be in this place where I could just like absorb all of the feedback. And now that I have like more of this business centered mindset um, versus maybe how I would have like 10 years ago, like I can just see it as like feedback. Like this is solid gold feedback from people that I'm trying to serve, you know, from women, mm -hmm. real women with bodies that I am trying to create something for. Um, versus like maybe if I would have just graduated and got this feedback I'm like oh my god they hate everything that I did and, <laughs> you know I'm, I'm a horrible designer and it's like no like you know you have to remember that the reason why you're making clothes if you're not making them you know just for yourself just for fun if you're making them to sell you're making them to solve a problem if you're making anything mm -hmm. whether it's a creative item or not you're trying to solve a problem. If you're trying to sell something, you're trying to solve a problem. Like I had to kind of rewire my brain to think about it in that way, because I hated the idea of having to be like a salesperson instead mm -hmm. of a designer um, or a salesperson and a designer. I'm like, I am not a salesperson. Like I am a designer. Like I'm a pattern maker. Like I just want to, I want to make beautiful things. And it was like, well, if you think about it, you're trying to solve a problem with the things that you're making. And if you mm -hmm. solve that problem, it'll equal sales. Um, so it was just kind of like a rewiring, I guess, in my own mindset. So that way I could get over that hurdle of like um, having to be a salesperson when I don't feel like that comes naturally to me. Um, mm -hmm. But being able to talk about my fit issues as a petite plus size woman, woman um, and my issues with finding like sustainable um, options out there that will fit me and maybe my price point like that I could talk about all day because um, it's it's true right like it's 
It's yeah. true to me. It's a true pain point for myself. Um, and I found that I think it, that it is a pain point for other women like me as well. So I hope I answered your question. Sometimes I yeah, think you, I'm like, you did. Longer. And there's like nuggets of gold in there too. So um, <laughs> one thing that you, you mentioned there is like, you know, you don't like being a salesperson, but then you, you really learn to listen to your customer's feedback and incorporate that and talk about the things that you care about and that your customers also care about. And I, that's one thing that I've had to learn too in my business is that, you know, it sales is so much more about listening to what your customers want and then giving it to them, like telling them about it, you know, telling them about the thing that they have asked for, that they care about. And then it doesn't feel like sleazy, like, Hey, buy this from me. You know, like you're saying like, Hey, I know you care about this and I care about this too. Like, I just want to let you know that like, this is something I offer, you know, like I have a a topper address that, you know, solves this problem that you've told me you're having challenges with and then it's like a service to them like you're helping them solve that problem it's not like you're you're asking them for something and not giving them anything in return like you're really listening and showing empathy to those customers and I feel like that's a better sales strategy and it doesn't feel like sales either so um that's so cool Um, I'm curious though, you also mentioned that, you know, you fit on yourself and that, you know, in the past 10 years, you've learned, um, not to take feedback as personally about like, you're, you know, you're able to hear the feedback and not then like take that as people hate everything I'm doing. Um, and I think that's something that designers, um, can struggle with, um, when, when you are your customer, you know, like when you are that person to be objective about what you're creating as a designer and also even being objective about as you're making, you know, making these garments, fitting them on yourself, getting feedback on them to not um, take it too personally about you being um the fit model or like being able to be objective about how things work on your own body, knowing that you're not the only person who's going to be wearing this. So I'm curious if you've um, run into any challenges with that or how you approach kind of staying objective when you are your customer and then not taking feedback personally, because it's, it's not really personal, but it's, it's very hard sometimes to separate as a business owner who's doing all of these things in your business to separate like the business feedback from like you as a person. Yeah. Um, so I would say that my most recent job, um, that, um, I'm technically still employed at and about to leave, (laughs) um, because I'm starting my own business. Um, it's for a large company and, you know, I'm a senior designer there um, and I, and I love it. It's an awesome company. It's an awesome workplace. And um, the only reason why I'm leaving is because I'm ready to just, you know, start more array and launch it and, and give Congrats, it. Congrats. That's a big step. It is a very big step and I'm terrified, but I'm also very excited um, mm-hmm. and I'm not doing it like irresponsibly. Um I've taken the steps and me and my husband, you know, like we've, we know like what we're getting into. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't want to like make it seem like, yes, just quit your job and go after your dreams. Like, no, you Mm -hmm. should 
think about it, you know, make sure you're in a good spot. So I'm, I finally got into that place. So well, congratulations. Um, that's, that's huge. Thank you. I appreciate that. Hopefully I'm still excited in a month. When, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm well, sure I will. Like you put a lot of thought and planning into this. And I, I think that's also part of being sustainable. It's like making sure that your decisions and, and how you run your business can actually sustain the business and you yourself. Yes, hundred um, percent. But to your uh, previous question. So at this position that I'm in now, um, I do work with like a lot of, you know, other um, cross-functional partners, if you will, so, like buyers and merchandisers and everybody has big opinions and big titles. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I'm a designer. I started as an associate designer and then now I will be leaving as a senior designer. And so through that time, um, I dealt with a lot of different personalities a lot of different opinions, um, feedback, critiques, some, some um, positive, some very business oriented, some that were very just personal and mm-hmm. didn't make any sense. Um, and I had to remain like Switzerland, like neutral in mm-hmm. every meeting, <laughs> in every presentation and just take what they are telling me and digest it and then decide what I was going to kind of um, debate, if you will, um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to say, and basically to, um, in a business uh, way, in a professional way, to show them why this design needs to be the one that is purchased, why it doesn't need to be changed. Um, And so like, I just got really good at that, at um, just taking that feedback in any way that it came and not like getting so hung up on it not to say that it's easy because it's not um especially when Mm -hmm. some people don't know how to deliver feedback in a (laughs) positive constructive way you know they just they say it and whether they meant it meant to or not it can be hurtful Mm -hmm. um and I'm not like trying to say that that's okay either um because definitely my time at this company like I've had moments where I did have to tell somebody like you know, like, no, like, you're not going to speak to me in that way. Um, mm-hmm. But that that all comes from like, growth. Um, and just kind of having to make that decision for yourself. And like, no matter where you're at, no matter if you're in your own business, or you're working for somebody or for a big company, like, um, I just grew up with like this idea that if you give respect, you'll receive it. If mm-hmm. you lead with empathy, you know, people will um, resonate with that. And that has been able to ring true for the majority of my life. Um, and then especially in my most recent position, because I did um, come across a lot of different types of personalities. And so I think that's how I, w- I have been able to just be so objective when it comes to my designs and what I'm trying to put out into the world. Not to say that it doesn't sting if I hear, you know, like a comment about um, if it's, if it's about the fit, I have no, like, I'm just like, tell me, girl, tell me everything. What's wrong with the fit? Like, you know, like hundred <laughs> percent, I want to know that, like, give it to me straight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if it comes to like something about the actual design that that can sting a little bit, but I just kind of have to let it go. I mean, like, you know, not everything mm-hmm. I make is for everybody. Um, 
And if it makes a lot of sense, like, oh yeah, maybe this sleeve is a little too short, or you know, maybe this hemline should be a little bit longer. Um, I'll just try to think about it in that way and then just do what I can to adjust. Or if I want to hold strong, like I had to learn to do in some of those meetings, like I'll hold strong and I'll just let my vision like continue to push forward um, and kind of let the chips fall where they may. Um, but yeah, I guess that's like the way that I've learned to get to this place to be a little bit more objective and and maybe a little bit less emotional about um, like the, the designs that I'm putting out there. Yeah, those are great tips. I, I found too that um, like being clear about, and it sounds like you're really good at doing this with your own brand and, and even in your, your job currently of like knowing what the goal is um, because it's hard to, it's hard to be objective about something if you don't know like how you're measuring the success of it. You know, like if, if you just like, Hey, do you like this? Like the only mm -hmm. thing somebody can say is like, personally, yes, I like it or no, I don't like it. But if you have like an objective of um, like, okay, we have, we have heard from customers that they really want a short sleeve, like V-neck, but not too low, you know, top in the line in this certain kind of fabric in, you know, in with a longer hemline, then, you know, like, does this design like tick all those boxes? And then, mm -hmm. then, you know, objectively, like, okay, even if one person on the sales team doesn't like it they're not the person we're trying to please. Like we have the data, we have the feedback that says this is what people are looking for. And then this design, like, does it deliver that or does it not? And so it's easier. I, I found to like be objective when you have that clear goal of like, this is the problem we're solving, or this is who we're making this for. This is the purpose or activity that we're making this to be worn for um can be super helpful as well and it sounds like you're really good at doing that yes I mean it's taken a lot of practice over the years to get to this point mm -hmm. um but yeah it's definitely a skill that I think I needed to learn um because coming up and just I would just create to create and it was like an escape for me because I didn't come from a family like we didn't have a lot we had we had a big family, like lots of siblings, lots of love, um, mm -hmm. but not a lot of things. And so like, I just would use like my creativity, which was, you know, fashion or sewing to express myself or to, um, I don't know, to kind of like make, make me feel like myself when I went out into the world because mm. um you know how it is in middle school and high school and <laughs> you know, everybody wants to wear this or that and like growing up like everybody's wearing Abercrombie and Hollister and like I don't know those kind of brands that I could not afford I couldn't mm -hmm. fit into like I've always been curvy like in some aspect of my life like so I didn't even fit into the clothes and I couldn't afford them. So I was just like, well, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to express myself? And I also, there's also a part of me that was like, I don't want to look like everybody else. Like I already don't look exactly. like everybody else. Yeah. So why am I going to try to force myself to be, you know, in this, this cookie cutter shape or, or box. Um, and so I, I just kind of stopped. Like, I was like, I'm not that, I'm not going to do that. 
Um, and I just started like dressing for me and creating things that I wanted or putting things together that were secondhand. Um, so like the sustainability aspect of like thrifting and, and mending and creating your own is just like who I am like mm -hmm. innately because mm -hmm. of I didn't grow up with a lot. So that's just, that's just how I put outfits together. Um, and the funny thing is that like I graduated and everybody voted me as like best dressed like <laughs> in our entire like senior class mm -hmm. and literally I didn't have any of the brands like all of my mm -hmm. stuff was like secondhand or it was very cheap from like a cheap store um, or it was a hand-me-down or something I made or mended um, mm -hmm. in some capacity and so it was just like I don't know that kind of like stamp of approval was like man like even though I didn't have all this money and I couldn't afford all of these brands, like all these people still think that I'm, you know, best dressed or, mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, not that that's like a big title, but you know what I mean? Like. It's if, nice if, to, nice to have the uh, assurance or the. Yeah. Uh, like I didn't affirmation, look crazy, I guess. like <laughs> putting together these outfits in my room, like mm -hmm. people saw what I was trying to express. People saw me, um, because of what I was able to put together with what I had. And so I feel like I've just been trying to make sure that I like keep that um, essence of me and who mm -hmm. I am um, with me throughout every version of myself that I have been. Um, and then of course I'm leading into what I'm starting with, with more of it. Yeah, I love that. I, I remember you wrote in one of your recent posts on Instagram that your upcoming collection, um, which will be launched by the time this episode comes out, is you you mentioned how it is a love letter to yourself. And so you touched on it a little bit, but um, I'd love to hear like how you show yourself love through your clothes, either specifically this collection or just, you know, as you've been putting together these outfits throughout your life in general, like how you learn to express yourself and be cool with not having the name brands and looking like everyone else and like how has like what part has clothes um played in that for you oh man I'm gonna try not to cry I'm a really emotional person so <laughs> bear with me if you need to edit it out it's okay um but I guess <laughs> um I guess like um I just always saw clothes as a way to like express yourself and tell people like exactly who you are without having to say a word, you know, mm -hmm. like I'm not like, I'm a very introverted person. Same. I'm not the person to like walk into the room and introduce myself to everybody. Um, but I also like, but I also am an empathetic person and like, I, I do enjoy people and meeting new people. And so I had to like, figure out how I could like meet people without having to force myself to be somebody that I'm not mm -hmm. and for some reason clothes just did that for me and so whether it's like somebody just saying like oh my gosh like I, I love your outfit you know that mm -hmm. would that would open an opportunity for me as a weird awkward introverted person to speak and to talk about myself and to talk about them and how much I love their outfit and their hair is so cool and then you know like so many of my like friendships started in that way like from a compliment or a a comment about something I was wearing or something I put together 
nice. um, or something I worked on. And so when I talk about like my collection um, being a love letter to myself, but also a love letter to, you know, all the women that I know that I love, you know, my sisters, my friends, and then to other women also who maybe they feel like, like me, like it is hard to um, maybe like be that extroverted person that you, you maybe aren't. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like clothes can just be that, like that caveat that it can be that way for you to start that conversation that might be hard for you to do on your own. Um, and so, yeah, like growing up, it was through me putting these outfits together by any means necessary um, that I had at my my disposal. And then as I learned how to actually craft clothes and pattern making and learn more about sustainability and fit and just seeing that there is like this big white space, like going to every job and every model was like, you know, a size four and the average American woman is like a size 14, 16. I was like, mm-hmm. why are we doing this? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> why are we not starting with our models? Like, at least a size 12, like, and then branching off from there, because that's closer to the average size. Like, mm-hmm. there's just so many questions that just didn't make sense to me. And so now yeah, that I'm doing- and the shapes, the shapes of the pattern are so different, like, yes. for like, very small, like, less, less round bodies versus, um, you know, bigger sizes, like the actual shape of the pattern is not just bigger, like the act, the shapes and proportions are so different that yes, yeah, it's like way it's hard to develop something just by fitting on your tiniest size and then go up from there. Yeah, it's like almost for certain items of clothing, virtually impossible. So you Mm -hmm. think about like a woven item, like with knitwear or something with a lot of stretch, like there's a lot more room for error. Like you mm-hmm. can kind of do that and get away with it. And that's where like the fast fashion world comes in. And so many of those items, um, especially like in the last decade, they were more in that stretchy material because it would kind of hide um, mm-hmm. the fact that this wasn't created in an inclusive way. Like this wasn't created thinking about um all of the different bodies that might try to wear this and so Mm -hmm. then you find yourself like if you're like me and you have this different type of body you're upset with yourself like you're in these dressing rooms and you're putting this stuff on and you're like why do I look so bad like Mm -hmm. why is this and it's the clothes it's the clothes it's not you yeah and but it's so hard to to it is be objective about that yeah (laughs) yeah especially when you have like all of these other you know you can have all these other self-image issues that just come from different parts of your life and your story. And this is all like coming together in a dressing room and you're just trying to find a cute dress so you can go on a date and you're like, why am I like having a, an emotional breakdown right now? Like this is supposed to be fun. Like, mm-hmm. you know, fashion is fun. And so for me, I was like, I just want to create something where a woman who is petite, who is plus size, you know, like she has curves, she has boobs, um, but she wants to look good and feel good. Like I want her to be able to just put this on and like walk out the door and just be like, I feel mm-hmm. amazing. Whether mm-hmm. she's just running an errand or she's going on a date or she's going to work, like 
I just wanted to have that. And I just kept looking for it. And not to say that, I mean, there's a hundred million amazing brands out there and the world has gotten so much better and fashion has gotten so much more inclusive, but there's still a long way to go. And I still feel like the problem that I'm trying to solve is not being solved. And I think that, I mean, I will learn a lot as I go through this journey, but the self-love part of that was like looking back on all of those experiences that made me kind of like feel like crap and almost made me hate fashion, which mm-hmm. is like crazy for me because it's been my dream like since birth. Like I got to a point where I didn't want to ever shop. Like I hated trying on clothes because it either made me feel horrible um, because of the way it looked on me or it made me feel horrible because of the way um, I knew that the company was probably operating, you know, like mm-hmm. in an unsustainable way. Like I, I had like this disgust and I was like, how could something that has filled me with so much passion and joy my entire life, like start to just put me off. And, and I really hated that because um, like I said, in the beginning, fashion has been that, that expression for me. And so more Ray is like that, that love letter to myself to get back to that passion and that love that I always had, um, but doing it in my way, um, and in a way that I think will be um, more empathetic and more compassionate towards women and our bodies where we are right now and not, you know, the, the idea that maybe we want to be in the future um, to just like accept yourself as you are today, like, and know that, that that's beautiful and that's perfect. And you don't need to be anything other than who you are right now. So cool. Yeah, I love that. Um, so what does the name Moire mean? Because I, I know that has a special meaning for you and for the brand. So I'm curious, what is, what is the story behind the name of the brand? Yes. Okay. Now I probably will 100% cry. Okay. <laughs> um, so Mora is uh, the name, the kind of nickname of my younger sister. Um, her name was Shamora. And um, she passed away in, mm. sorry, in, um, I'm getting better at telling this story without crying, I swear. <laughs> I'm um, sure it's, it's really hard to, <laughs> to tell. Um, but yeah, so she passed away in June of 2019. Um, and so she had seizures most of her life. They started when she was very young. Um, I want to say like toddler age is when the first kind of symptoms started settling in um, for people who don't know about like epilepsy and people who live and battle with seizures. Um, there's lots of different types of seizures. And so for Shimora, she started and I, I want to say she was probably, I think she was still a toddler when she started having what we kind of called them staring spells. And so it's where literally she could be engaging with you you're having a whole conversation and then she just kind of like drifts off. Like her eyes will lose focus. She won't be, you know, making eye contact with you anymore. And then her speech will trail off. And essentially she's just kind of like, like if you ever see somebody staring off into space, that's what a staring spell can kind of look like. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we kind of noticed that 
um, early on. And so as she got older, it just kind of um, progressed from there. And we actually knew about seizures because I have an older brother who had them when he was young. And he was just more fortunate in that he grew out of them. So like by the time he hit puberty, they kind of went away versus for Shimura, by the time she hit puberty, they ramped up mm-hmm. um, and they just got more, um, they got more, um, I guess, extreme. They got, they would come on more often. Um, and I don't know a lot you know, about the science behind things, but from just living with her, taking care of her, watching her, her journal, her journey and her her struggles, um, we noticed that there was a correlation between like that hormonal time for women mm-hmm. during the month and how our hormones will function fluctuate throughout our cycles. It had a lot to do with her seizures. Um, and so anyways, that's, that's essentially where Mora came from for the name. And then Ray is, um, one of my nicknames, um, since Sheree Ray is at the end of my name. And mm-hmm. so for Mora Ray, I originally started this like um, idea, this brand um, with a completely different name, (laughs) completely different everything. Um, And it was after she passed. And Mm -hmm. I just, if you have ever lost somebody very close to you, um, you might understand, but I just was like done with everything. And Mm -hmm. I I didn't care to live my life the way I was living it anymore. Not to say that I was living my life in a bad way. I was, I was doing all the things you're supposed to do. You know, Mm -hmm. I was married and I was trying to have a baby and moving up the corporate ladder. And then, um, she passed and so much of what I did, my family did, we all have worked so hard. So that way we could constantly be there for each other and, and be support systems for each other, especially as siblings, because mm-hmm. our parents don't have a lot um, to help us with, like financially, in that support um, system. So, like, you know, every time any one of us like moves up in our career, or you know what I mean, like starts mm-hmm. to get any type of advances, we pass it on to the next one. So, like, I was ready to like be there for Shamora, and like she was moving you know, up here, uh, closer to me where I am. And she was going to go to the same college that me and my older sister went to. Um, and it was just like a very exciting time. And then she just died. And it was just like, like, I don't know. I I just had this moment where I was like, well, what am I doing? Um, Mm -hmm. and so I, I went to my boss and I was like, I'm going to go travel the world. (laughs) She was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave and I'm gonna go with my husband and we're gonna start in Europe and I'm gonna go see all the places that Shamora didn't get to see that we talked about. Um sorry. Mm-hmm. We talked about seeing together, you know, through movies and, and music that we loved. Um mm-hmm. and so my boss, like I said, I, I'm leaving a company that is amazing with amazing people, and she understood what I was doing and why I was doing it. And so instead of letting me quit, she said, well, you're just going to be my freelancer and you're going to travel and you're going to do work when you can. And basically like she, basically she was just like, I'm not going to let you quit. (laughs) Um, 
sounds like a great a, a great boss though to be like that understanding yes. and like kind of ahead of ahead of the times and like just yeah go travel and freelance yes uh, girl like the timing of everything I'm trying to I'm trying not to make this story like so long but <laughs> I'm gonna get to the end I promise um but so this is 2019 right so we start our, our travels August 2019 we start in Europe and we're in Paris um and I think by the time we got to the UK we were doing um basically like a um a homestay where you are house sitting and pet sitting Um, Mm -hmm. So we met this lovely lady and she um, had this beautiful home in like countryside of England. And so we were taking care of her little dog Poppy while she was out traveling for like the month. Um, And so during that time, like we were very, um, we weren't like going out on as many like excursions or like seeing as many things like every other day as, as we were maybe when we were like in Paris or London. So um, I had a lot of time to kind of just like process, I think. Um, And I started processing and I was like, I want to do something to honor my sister. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what I can do. I was like, the only thing I'm good at is design. Like, (laughs) how can I use design to do something to, to share her story and to, to spread the, awareness about epilepsy and how like how tricky of a disease it is and how it's like this silent battle that like if you don't know somebody personally or somebody that or you haven't ever experienced like somebody having a seizure like it's just like people don't know a lot about it and like I'll even watch Mm -hmm. movies and I'll see a scene and they'll show somebody having a seizure and I'm like that is not what happens like Mm-hmm. there's just so much misinformation out there about it and so it's like I'm I'm not a scientist I you know like I don't have like this the the medical science anything behind like why seizures happen but I I have a personal connection a personal story and so I want to just I wanted to use my design skills and gifts to spread that message and so it started while we were in this little town this little village in the UK um, the brand was called statement and I was just like doing a print on demand service um, I figured it was like the most sustainable method I could start with because you know again it was kind of like we're not going to make anything unless you order it mm-hmm. um, and at that point it was like I'm just gonna donate like pretty much any profit that I get to some sort of fund um, until I can figure out um, like what I want to do when I get, get home. Um, and in my mind, I wasn't coming home for like a good year. Like (laughs) I was going to travel, I was going to see everything. Um, and then I think it was like the week of, or it was beginning of November. Um, and my boss was kind of like, well, other people are hearing that you're like traveling in Europe and they're getting a little like, well, why does she get to travel? <laughs> like all of this mm-hmm. kind of stuff, which I was like, I can understand. I was like, I'm still just a freelancer though, right? Like I'm not a regular full-time employee. Um, but then there were other things going on and it just made sense for us to, to come home. Um, and so I did. And then that's like end of November, December, 2019, January, 2020, I'm like back in the office. I'm still trying to do statement. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just like, 
designing stuff and putting it on this little like Shopify website and trying to tell people about it. And basically friends and family are just ordering, you know, the t-shirts and the leggings that are being created. But there's like the, 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 I guess the core of what I am now doing with more array wasn't there um, Mm -hmm. with like talking about petite plus size and really thinking about like the target market. Mm -hmm. The core of that idea was that I just want to do something to honor my sister somehow. Like I didn't know what it meant and I just wanted to start. And I, I just felt like if I didn't put something out there to start something, then I would never, I would never start anything. Um, and so that's kind of how it started. And then of course, March, 2020. Yeah. So the, the crazy thing is that I thought I was going to travel the world. We wanted to go to Japan after Europe and we wanted to be there by like December, January. And the crazy thing is that if that would have actually worked out, we could have been stuck like mm-hmm. in Asia for who knows how long um because you know the pandemic was was starting or had already Mm -hmm. started but we didn't know about it like we didn't know anything of course like until until it really like started to hit um the United States but yeah it was crazy how all of the timing worked out um and in March like me and my husband were moving and I had taken like a day or two off from work so we could move And then my boss was like, hey, we're going to do like, we're going to start doing these trial, like work from home things because there's like this, this virus and (laughs) we don't know what's going to happen. Like, so we're just going to have a couple of people from the team, like test working out, working from home. And then we'll like ship, we'll um, switch off. That's what they thought we were going to do. So basically I started working from home, like the middle of March, 2020. And then I've been working from home ever since. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and through that time I started thinking more about statement and Shimora and how I wanted to honor her and it just evolved into into more array in a very organic way um I signed up for an amazing course if you're anybody out there is interested in like starting a sustainable fashion line and maybe you don't you know have as much experience um even me with all the experience and the education I have in the fashion world like the course was still really awesome um and it was like um by Shannon Lore it's the factory 45 course yeah I didn't know you did I didn't realize you did that I've had yeah. multiple podcast guests and clients who have gone through it and really loved it yeah it's it's awesome and it's um I mean, it's kind of set up where you can um, launch, I think, within six months, like as you finish the course. Mm -hmm. It took me about two years, obviously, (laughs) because I started um, I started around this time, but um, in 2020. And so through that course is when I started to really start to figure out who I wanted to create for and how I could integrate this passion that I have and this problem that I want to solve and the love for my sister, and the message that I wanted to spread about epilepsy awareness, like, they started to just fuse together, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm still learning how to formulate the story. So that way, it's easily digestible, um, without crying. (laughs) Um, 
Mm -hmm. it's a work in progress but that's where more ray has kind of like evolved from it is definitely a messy emotional love centered idea um that i've kind of had my entire life but then got got like catapulted and just blossomed out of me um i think out of grief and out of pain and out of love um and i'm just excited to be able to finally do it and so like my logo is my sister so like it's a more raised mm. main logo is an image of a girl a woman and that is Shamora that's that's her her image and um like I talked to my family about it and made sure like everybody would be comfortable um you know I didn't want especially like my parents I don't want them to feel like any any weird way or overly emotional every time they see this logo and everybody was like mm-hmm. 100% like if anybody's going to do anything you know that uses Shamora's name or is it's going to honor her it makes the most sense for me to do it um which was awesome to like have their blessing um yeah so yeah that's a long again another long-winded answer um hopefully to your question yeah yeah that's a really powerful story and thank you for sharing I know sometimes the backstories to things can be difficult but it's sometimes the most beautiful things I think come out of those sad moments. So thank you for sharing. Um, I have one more question that I ask everyone at the end of the interview, and I might know what your answer is because you've, I feel like you've probably touched on it, but if there was one value you could communicate to the world through the clothes you design, what would it be? Um, to love yourself and mm-hmm. to love the people in your life because you never know um when they'll be gone Mm. yeah that's 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 so powerful and and true yeah well this has been such a great conversation Sheree thank you so much for joining me today and for your um honest and open conversation and just like to hear more about you and your story and um, the vision and really the empathy and compassion. I can, I can see it behind Moore um, your brand. Uh, where can people find out more about you and Moore online and see your new collection? Yeah, well, thank you so much, first of all, Allison, for even just opening up this platform and letting me share my story and, you know, Shamora's story. I, I really appreciate it. Um, this is really the first time I've done it, so... <laughs> Oh, well, you did, you did great for your first time. Yeah, I would have never known. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Um, and you can find, you know, anything more Ray. Um, it's moreray.com. And then we're on Instagram at more studio. Um, same thing on TikTok and Facebook. And yeah, um, the launch will be happening um, June 1st, which I'm sure this will already be it'll already be launched by the time this is out. But Mm -hmm. if you want to learn more, I mean, the easiest way is just to go to moreray.com and, you know, sign up for the email list. And um, yeah, you can just keep following along this, this emotional and love centered journey. Wonderful. I'll include links to all those places in the show notes for people to click through. Thank you again for your time and your story today, Sheree. Yes, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That's it for today. Thanks for listening.
I'm Allison Haynes, and I hope you join me again for the next episode of How Fitting.